It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the Jack and Jones Center, see you in beautiful CCM of the University of Cincinnati. It's the Dennis Daniels Show! Tonight's guest, voice actor and musician Eric Stewart. Plus the debut of John Pokemon and the Dennis Daniels Show Band. And now, here is your host. He is the 2009 BearCast Innovator of the Year, Dennis Daniels! It's a shameful thing. Once again to the Dennis Daniel Show. I am your host, your DJ buddy, and the winner of the 2009 BearCast Innovator of the Year Award, Dennis Daniel. Thank you, thank you. Oh, oh, oh! You are, you are, you are too nice. Oh, you are too nice. This is just wow. This is just too nice. Too nice. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Folks, it's been a long while since we've been back here on the Dennis Daniels Show. And, of course, with the times changing, we had to make changes here as well. I needed a co-host. So I want you to give a big Dennis Daniels round of applause. He is the Edvick man to my Johnny Carson, John Pokemon. Thank you very much. Very good to be here. All right, all right, all right, John. How was your How was your winter break? Not bad, not bad. Um, caught up on my sleep. Work, oh. Worked like a fool. Oh, sleep! Sleep is always important. Sleep. Oh yeah. Hey. Caught up on my drinking as well. Oh, drinking. Uh, how old are you again? Old enough to know better. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but well, folks, if you don't know, last time on this annual show we had voice actor Pat Fraley who's best known as the uh, voice from Krang from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that got me thinking, well, Krang didn't say a lot of nice things about me. He called me a punk, and he said when I asked him to come down here so he can receive a quote-unquote Dennis Daniel smackdown, he said I wasn't worth his time. And that, and that kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> What was that? That was me shedding a tear. Oh, shut up, John. <laughs> I'll give you a quarter so you can call somebody who cares. Hey, I care. I care. <laughs> it was a deal. Well, not this time. No, no. I've learned from my mistakes. This time, I'm going to do the trash talking. Okay, we have Eric Stewart on the show today. He's a best known as the voice of Brock and James from the first eight seasons of Pokemon, which I call the good years, mm-hmm. and he also did a character known as a Seto Kaiba from the hit show Yu-Gi-Oh! Going it, way, way back. Way, yeah, they're going way back, ooh, the 2000s, I believe. Oh, yeah. Now, for those of you who probably don't even remember Yu-Gi-Oh!, it was a, it was a, it was a cartoon about this um, kid named Yu-Gi-Moto, probably, probably what's called Yu-Gi-Oh!, and, he, and he's this, he's this kid, short kid, I, I, I don't think more than 15 years old, and he finds this Millennium Puzzle, and he puts it together. And it transforms him into this... He goes through puberty. He has a deep voice, and he's taller. And it's everything. And it's, it, it's crazy. And, they, and apparently he's this ancient pharaoh, which is... Woo! Crazy. Crazy. Crazy! So anyway, we meet a character later on known as Seto Kaiba. Now, he is this... He's a jerk. He's this big jerk. He's head of this corporation called Kaiba Corp, which deals with this techn- gaming technology. And he decides to, hey, go ahead and uh, 
take uh, his grand Yugi's grandfather's most prized possession, his card, the Blue Eyes White Dragon. And of course, he challenges Grandpa Moto to a duel. Uses his fifth technology to beat him, so he's a crook. So he cheats himself to it and cheats himself to the card. And then, of course, the big middle finger is when Yugi and his friends get to his grandpa on the ground. So I assume he's hurt. Kaiba laughs and tears up his his grandfather's blue eyes. Nah. It is that's not funny. That is mean. That's, that is terrible. It's terrible. Very very terrible. That's terrible. And 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 then he goes on to to, real, to reveal that he has three blue eyes white dragon. What? He has three, and he tore up the fourth so no one could use it against him. Say what? And still, Yuki was able to beat him. And then later on in the Duelist Kingdom tournament, he, Yuki fought Kaiba again. And when, even though Kaiba fused his three blue eyes to make the blue eyes ultimate dragon, he, Yuki still found a way to almost beat him. Of course, Kaiba takes the chicken way out, you know, stands against a ledge, Yugi's got this in the bag, and here he goes. He's about ready to clinch the victory. Kaiba stands on the ledge, says, If you attack me, it will knock me over, and I know you won't do that. He, he's supposed to be playing chicken with Yugi, and, and of course, Yugi being the hearted kid he is, he can't bring himself to do it. Kaiba beats him, gets the star chips, and then it, it's terrible. He, he then goes to tell Yugi that he's weak. What he, a punk. What he a is a punk. punk. And I don't, I, I, I don't like Kaiba. Kaiba is one of those preppy boys with the fruit bowl haircut, everything handed to him, silver spoon in their mouth, kids, that thinks just because he has power and money, he's the best man on the planet. It's like he woke up one morning and the sun just done shines out his rear end. Oh, well, yeah. well, trust me, I don't, I don't take kind-heartedly to that. And, and you know what? That was a long time ago. And, of course, then he has his big Battle City tournament, you know, and Yugi beats him yet again. Oh, and get this. Kaiba had an Egyptian God card. Mm. He had an Egyptian God card, and he still, still found a way to lose to Yugi. He's booty. He, he is booty. <laughs> uh, you know what? I bet you anything in the world, I could beat Kaiba. Do you think I could beat him, John? Uh, I'm not even going to get in the middle yeah, of that. Yeah, he would. I could beat him with one arm tied behind my... Uh-oh. Uh... John, are we expecting a phone call? Only from the Ghostbusters. They've been out of business for years. Mm. Well, then, no. No? Do you, do you think we should answer it? Mm, might as well. Alright. Okay, let, let me go and answer it. Let's see. Bearcast Radio, this is the Dennis Daniels Show, and you are on the air. Yeah, let's get one thing straight. Just because you have some internet radio station that broadcasts to three people, you think you and your kooky little sidekick, whose last name is a cheap second-rate show, can beat the greatest duelist ever, Seto Kaiba? Let me think. I think the answer is no. Whoa, 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 buddy, buddy, buddy. Hey, buddy. But, but, first, first off, who is this? Who, you know, state your name for the audience out there. Well, for those of you who don't have a brain or ears, this is the one and only Seto Kaiba. <laughs> <laughs> this guy thinks he's Kaiba. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, let me take a look at myself. Uh-huh, great coat, plane, trains, automobiles, everything you can imagine. Oh, and look, look in my little deck here. Mm-hmm, one, two, three blue eyes, white dragon. Pl planes, trains, and suits. Seto Kaiba. Okay, uh, yeah. Well, just one question. You may have, you know, all all of that nice stuff, but there's just one just one question I gotta ask you. Did you have a happy Father's Day? <laughs> oh, oh, good. What, what about a Mother's Day? Oh, he does because he has no. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right. If you are Seto Kaiba, hint, hint with the air quota. I'm gonna ask you a question. Where was my Battle City invitation? Your Battle City invitation. I think that was also the ones that were handed out for the White House. You know, the ones that people sort of snuck in. You see, guys like you don't get the invites. Uh, I, I think your I think your nickname is uh, is it the Boogaloo Shrimp? Yeah. See, that really works well as a duelist title. That kind of reminds me if if Good Times had a midget, he would be called the Boogaloo Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, 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 that's very funny, Kaiba. Bravo, bravo. You are a funny, 
funny individual. Uh, you know what? Let me ask you something. How many times you beat Yugi? Um, oh, oh, what, what was that? What was that? Was that one? And he beat you, I don't know, three? Well, here's the deal, okay? All right. Yugi has got such a low self-esteem that what I need to do, if you did any research, if you looked back through history and saw what we learned from the Egyptian portion of our life story, you'd realize I need to make him look good. That's what I do. But but didn't you, haven't you, like, denied that? I, I mean, I mean, you're in more denial than Christy Alley. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's good, too. That's good, too. See, here's the deal. Kaiba is always Kaiba. Yugi, I, I mean, he's big, he's small, he's got a deep voice, he's got a high voice. The man is schizophrenic. He, he, he's not schizophrenic. He's he, bipolar. He's not bipolar. He's got he's got a, he's got a spirit of a pharaoh in him. Uh, yeah, spirit of something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're funny, Kaiba. If you want to call it pharaoh, that's cool. I know a lot of other things, but we can't say them on the air. Oh, 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 oh. He played that card. No, no, oh yeah, he played that card face down. Uh, okay, okay. Well, all right, all right, Kaiba. Okay, I'll give you that. Was Let's... that from John Pokemon, the that... show about glorified cockfighting? Trust me, boy, that's <coughs> not a real show. Oh! Uh, well, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't Pokemon out before Yu-Gi-Oh? Yes, it was! So how could Pokemon be a, a rip-off of Yu-Gi-Oh if it came out Oh, I didn't first? say it was a rip-off. I hey, do believe you did. Fire were out before Yu-Gi-Oh, too, and I'm not giving them a hard time. <laughs> all right, okay, 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 let's, let's get back to me. All right, all right, Kyle, but you, you think you're this tough. You, you, you beat up on Yugi's grandfather. You beat on Yugi. You beat on Joey Wheeler, which, in all my respect, he's a great How could you not beat on Joey Wheeler? Be, because he's, he's a dog. He's not a dog. He is pretty wack. He's not a dog, and he's not a monkey. Uh, he's totally a monkey. All right, all right, all right. All right. He's, a, he's a tool. He's a full-blown toolbox. See, this is finally something coming out of this guy that makes sense. He agrees with me. I mean, give me a break. Joey Wheel... What, a guy from Brooklyn is a duel master? He's got his Brooklyn rage! Brooklyn! Yeah, that, that works. That works well in the arena. Yeah, I made sure to put that into the programming. Okay, okay, uh, all right, all right. Okay, okay, I'll give you this. You can take on Yugi, you can take on Kabi, you can take on Ashizu. I mean, you can take on Joey, but there is one person in the world I know you cannot take on and beat. And that would be... Me! Oh, he went there. Yeah, okay, so, so what exactly is your dueling style? What cards do you have in your little, your little, your little deck there? Anything and everything. <laughs> Hey, hey, I could duel circles around you. You got Blue Eyes White Dragon. Hell, I got Horus the Black Flame Dragon level 8. We'll put them together in one little clash and see who comes out fighting. So I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You bring your Blue Eyes. You bring your Ultimate. You bring Obelisk. You bring whatever you want. I'm laying the challenge right now for the All Taste Nation, for BearCashRadio.com, for the whole world. Seto Kaiba, I, Dennis Daniel, challenge you to a duel... And I hope you accept it, because I hope you got the balls, Oh, snap. So, let's just get one thing straight. If I win, I get what? Uh, let me see. You probably have a couch from 1965 in the back behind you. It's got cigarette stains and burns in it, and uh, probably a couple of spilled beard marks on it as well. Don't let forget me see the what else stains. You can give me if I win. Oh, wait a second. Uh, uh, that console that you're working on is probably really high tech. Uh, yeah, let's see. It's probably a Nintendo uh, mixing board. Oh, and wait. Uh, let me see what else you can give up. You probably have a lot of money because you're uh, pulling in huge sponsors for your internet radio show. So uh, it's not worth my time to quote another great master of voices. It's just not worth my time. Well, I'll when tell you. you figure out when you figure out what you have that I want, and we can play for that. Because obviously, beating me would be a huge thing to you, but beating you, well, that's really not that important to me. Right? Well, I'll tell you what, Kaiba. If you do not accept my challenge, I will send this worldwide and let everyone know the great Seto Kaiba isn't a master of dragons. He's a master of chickens. So, uh, let me see if you can hear this right. I'm going to call this me hanging up. Hey, you know, you call yourself the master of dragons, you should come out here hee-hawing like a jackass. Hello, Kaiba. Kaiba. Um, he hung up. 
damn it. You don't scare them oh, yeah, sh- Shut up. All right, Kaiba, I know you can still hear me. I know you can hear me crystal clear. I am still throwing down the challenge. If you've got the guts to answer it, then come back on here. We'll show you what, how you do it. Okay, so. Damn, Skippy. All right, all right, all right. Have we have we done enough of that? Are we done? Are we quite uh, happy? I would say so. All right, all right. No, 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 no. We're not done yet. Now that we've got the we got the whole hoo ha out of the way, let's get down to the interview. Okay, folks. All right, folks. My next guest is a very accomplished voice actor and musician. He's best known as the voice of Brock and Seto Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, Brock and James from Pokemon. Kaiba's got me still just all ticked up. I am just ready. I'm ready to punch something now. Just <clears throat> Ooh, I'm going to punch him so weird. Anyway, he was the voice of Brock and James from the first eight seasons of Pokemon. He was Seto Kaiba from the show Yu-Gi-Oh! And we have him here today. He's going to talk to us about his career in voice acting and his new CD from the Eric Stewart band, Empty Frame of Reference. This is good stuff. We're going to talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Mr. Eric Stewart! <laughs> Mr. Stewart, thank you, and welcome to the Dennis Daniel Show. Thank you, Dennis. I, you know, it's amazing how many people you have in this room. I didn't realize that there were so many seats. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I know. It, it's the magic of radio magic. All of our shenanigans. Shenanigans yeah. and hua. Can, can, can you believe that, Kaiba? And thank you, and thank you for that great intro. Yes, yeah, it's, it's too bad, uh, you know, you really pissed off Kaiba. Uh, no. Even uh, a better guy to have on your side. Trust me, it's like you know, he's got some really cool stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. a douche. Yeah, he's a he's a douche. You know, his time's come and gone. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I'd rather be on his good side, but that's your choice. Uh, What's he gonna do? Come get me? Yeah. Oh uh, jeez, yeah, still I I could take I could take him and and, and what? Seto Kaiba beat me? That's deeply disturbing. Yeah, that 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 was that. Hey, that's just how we roll around. Yeah, that's here. how we roll around here. All right, okay, so well. First off, well, I, I just I gave them a minor description of what. You, so, why don't you tell us what you do? T- tell us what does a voice actor do? Well, uh, it depends on if we're talking about you know anime or 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 cartoons. Well, well we talk general or, or commercials. I mean, basically, you know, as a voice actor, um, whether it starts as your audition when you're brought in to you know maybe see a character and see if you can come up with a voice for it, uh, or if it's commercial copy or brought in to read for a product. But um, it's all about being able to roll out of bed in the morning without taking a shower because nobody ever takes a look at you. Nice. Nice. Okay, now we talked to Pat Fraley, who was crying from the original Ninja Turtles in the 80s. Yes. And he, of course, that's not anime. Now, you're a voice actor in anime, so, so well, I worked on the new Turtles, uh, actually the 25th anniversary movie. I was one of the ADR directors. Oh yeah, that was a. I, I thought personally that was a great movie. Well, thank you. But uh, you know, it, it, it's not just anime. I mean, I, I particularly, I guess, a lot of uh, the fans and, and, and that they know me from from most anime series, like uh, even as far back as Slayers. As, as, as Slayers as Gary Gabriel. That, exactly, that, exactly. That I would love to to, to eat with that guy because that guy he just. He blows my mind. Well, we just did a, uh, another installment of uh, of that uh, that whole series, which was great. We just did another 26 episodes of Slayers, which was uh, we brought back the original cast, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, just, now, now maybe you can explain this to me. Now, now you have the Slayers, then you have the Slayers next, and then you have the Slayers try. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know what does the next and the try mean. I mean, are the Slayers next up, or are this is the next one, or? He doesn't really give me understanding what the next means. Yeah, and I think that there's even one that's the, the one that we just worked on is revolution or evolution. You know, I don't think the people that are translating actually are, are really in sync with maybe what the language should be. Because next and try and all of that stuff, that just confuses everyone. It's like part one and then part one and a half and then part 
two, and then you go backwards to part A. You know, it's like, what does that mean? Is A before one? I, I, don't, I don't quite understand. All I do is when they ask me to read the lines, I read them. And, well, it just it sounds, man, sounds like we could get into an argument just like the uh, Final Fantasy of the Legend of Zelda series, time, chronological, and that makes my brain hurt, and I'm not going to... Yes, exactly. Gonna... At some point, you need to back up and just go, all right, what do you want me to say? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, you got your start... Now, now did the Slayers come before Pokemon or after Pokemon? Uh, Slayers was my first anime role, actually probably my first real uh, voiceover job. And it was just it was just really by chance. I was working in a recording studio in New York as a production assistant, and um, I was working with mostly commercial voiceover actors, doing some casting. And somebody I had to read with somebody for an audition for a client. And after I read the the actually the client said, "Hey, I have a friend who's doing something that you might be right for. They're looking for you know some young voices for this new cartoon." And I thought, all right, why not? Let's let's give it a shot. And I got cast as Gallery, and, and that started it all. I think, um, you know, and what was fun about working on Slayers in the very beginning was we pretty much didn't have a script. So anybody who has, has seen the whole first uh, the whole first series, um, most of the lines in that show we're com- we came up with them uh, on the spot, and it was a lot of fun to just improvise. Whereas as we got along into other shows and a little bit more structure, like with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that, basically. The lines are what, what the writers came up with. Well, I just—I I mean, I saw the um, I saw the Slayers try and the Slayers next in Japanese, but as soon as they were available on YouTube in English, I watched them and I, I got to tell you that you guys are great. You as Gowrie, Lisa Ortiz as Lena Inverse, uh, yeah, Veronica great. Taylor as Amelia, or, yep. or not? Not no, it was, it was, it was, it was that's it was, right. That's I mean, right. okay, good, okay, good. You guys were great, and I just, I, I loved all the flat-chested little kid jokes. That yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, things we could get away with when things went straight to DVD rather than actually being broadcast. So. Yeah, uh, yes, and it was, it, it was hilarious because you began to build relationships with Veronica Taylor and Lisa Ortiz, which you would work with in later shows. Yes, these, those two are, are are not only great talents, but they're also great friends of mine, and. Uh, you know, for a long time, there was a little core group of maybe ten actors um, working on all this anime stuff, and so we'd see each other all the time. And most of the time, as you know, when we're doing our dubbing, we work alone, and you see each other uh, maybe in passing as you're leaving the studio and the next person is coming in. But uh, over time, we just, you know, we would hang out a little bit longer in those sort of uh, two ships passing in the night kind of situations, and became great friends. And um, uh, now that I actually don't live in New York, it's, it, th- those are some of the people that I miss a lot because uh, I, I would see them every day. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, th- I mean you build up these close relationships with working in voice acting, and then you you got to move around to do different different things, and it's, it, it, it's tough, kind of yeah, like it, leaving it high school. It was fun, though, too. i got to say that um, you, know, you would go in and you'd do your funny stuff, and, uh, and then maybe the next day I'd run into uh, Veronica or Lisa, and they would say, hey, I heard that line you said. It's hilarious. I, I couldn't stop laughing. So it's almost like delayed response to whether you did good work or not because the other people didn't see it until they got into the booth. Yeah, but still, I just, I just I can't say how funny Slayers is. Lena always running away from her sister, all these fighting, this magic stuff. It was just crazy. Okay, so then after that, you then, in I believe 1998, if it were, you work on this crazy show. The game just came out a few months earlier to this anime. You work on Pokemon, and you're introduced in episode four as Pewter City Gym Leader Brock. Yep. And what was that like? How'd you come up with Brock's voice? Well, it's funny. Actually, both Brock and James were... Uh, two other actors were cast in both those roles before I was. I think I was uh, second choice for both those characters and didn't get the gig. And I was like, all right, no big deal. And the first actor they used for Brock, they weren't happy with at all. Um, And so they brought me in to basically try to figure out a better voice for that character. And um, to me, he's kind of like somewhere between Shaggy um, uh, from Scooby-Doo, and, uh, and, and he was a little Gowrie-esque, because Gowrie was such a small um, market. It was like there, there, there was not a lot of exposure. I figured, you know what, I could use this as a starting point. It's that same kind of young voice, and he's kind of an idiot, um, but a sweet idiot. Um, and then with James, it was, it was uh, they had used another actor who then got a play. He got a play, and he, had, he needed to leave town. 
and they asked me to come in and imitate him. Um, and what I think we started doing was imitating the other actor, but then I gave him a, a completely different twist. I felt he was too legitimately bad um, in the beginning. He was played a little too straight, and he needed to be goofier. Because to me, the best villains in all cartoon history are the ones that make you laugh. Um, it's cool to be intimidated by them, but I don't know. I, I think things like Dick Dastardly or, or all sorts of very sort of goofy um, villains, um, you know, that's where the comedy comes in. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I, we, me and my brother, we loved the Wacky Races growing up. That was hilarious. Right. And, very good stuff, yeah. Yeah, but um, how'd you come up with that, with that laugh? I can't do it for the life of me, the, the James laugh. The James left the woo. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always thought I always thought that James, because of his his upbringing, his very sort of you know upper crust um, you know schooling, that he was probably somewhere down the line related to Niles and Fraser Crane. And drawn blanks there. You know that sort that affectation was very much like uh, you know there was something about he was almost like blue blood. So. Um, I just thought that sort of outrageous laugh coming from someone that was so refined was was funny. Um, and, you know, I, I think it worked. And, and what was funny, I think, too, was that the director, while we were working on the beginning episodes, I don't think they ever really looked down the line. And once we saw where James was going with some of his wackiness and the comedy of, of Team Rocket as a trio, it made perfect sense for him to have that sort of Ed Wynn kind of giggle, uh, or, or, you know, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't I don't think anybody in real life should ever laugh like that, or else you should walk away. I I, I would laugh like that. I, I would laugh like that. Would you laugh like that, John? Of course not. Yeah. What? But it, but it worked well for the and character. And there's something funny about a character that most of the time has a very deep, low voice, kind of uh, like uh, also reminded me of uh, uh, Tim Curry from uh, Rocky Horror, um, to then have a completely uh, falsetto giggle. I mean, to go from this and woo, to then go up like that. I mean, that's like just funny girl. to me. You know, when he gets excited, he all, uh, goes through puberty again, you know? <laughs> but, but, but still, uh, when you um, found out that James would be doing these disguises, like like as a girl, what was right. your first initial response? Well, I, I, to me, that's great. I mean, that as an actor, when your character is, is also acting, that's just it just tests you and it, and really it makes you think because especially after years of doing the same voice over and over again you know what what other dynamics can you bring to the character well if he's dressed up like a spy or or he's pretending to be a woman uh, all of those things i mean i would would have loved to it's almost like you feel like he's like lucille ball or something like that i would have loved to have played james in a in a live movie because the, 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 it's, only, it's, it's so slapstick silly. It would be just a blast. Yeah, yeah just, I, I, I'm going to be honest right now. And the, the episode where they go to Saffron City and they're greeted by Team Rocket dressed as Hula Girls, I thought James made a really, really hot Hula Girl. He was kind of cute, wasn't he? And I will go on the record as saying James makes the coolest schoolgirl. <laughs> I, I know. I, I remember that back from Electric Shock Showdown. That that, that was John's favorite episode because he likes Lieutenant Surge. And uh, God bless Maggie Blostein. I, I miss her. Yes, yeah. That was that was a tough one for us. I mean, uh, you, you know, Maddie was 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 very special and 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 hilarious. And you know, when you you work with someone that long, and you also don't realize, you know, as, when you have a professional relationship that is also board, that also encompasses being friends. Uh, you don't realize that you, you don't even know that much about them, and you don't spend enough time with them when they're here. And that if it's any lesson to be learned, it's you know if you like somebody, spend time with them, you know, hang out with them. Don't take that for granted because you don't know what's going to happen the next day. I mean, that was so sudden that uh, you know there were many uh, sort of uh, incomplete conversations that I that I could have had with her. So uh, was, that was pretty sad. Now, aside from doing Brock and James, you also did several of the Pokemon. Oh my goodness! I can't even. T I, I mean, I did that. Squirtle. I did. I did all sorts of. Uh, you know, I, I think there's like 25 or 30 different characters that I can't even like recall most of them. Um, 
But yeah, well, there were so many Pokemon that, and as I said, because there were so few of us as actors um, in that pool, we would basically, you'd come in to do Brock and James, and then they'd say, oh, and by the way, we've got five Pokemon we need you to do that were just introduced in this next episode. And, you know, if your voice was right for it, whether it was a big character or, or a tiny little squeaky one, and, and, you know, basically they all said their names, so it, it wasn't like you just had to say their name that, that, so it fit. So we, each one of us on the show probably had a handful of, uh, of Pokemon that we did. Did, did, did. did you by chance do Blastoise? Blastoise. Yeah, yes! Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Blastoise. He's my favorite. All of all of the all of the Squirtle uh, um, uh, developments, uh, you know, Squirtle, Blastoise, War Turtle, uh, and then War Turtle. Yeah, exactly. I just I, I love Blastoise, and maybe you can ask answer this question for us. Me and my brother for years have been debating in a Pokemon battle between Blastoise and Charizard, who would win? Oh, that's a tough one. Because, come on, Charizard with the flame and all of that? It's but, raw. But it's Blastoise, raw two cannons on its back. Yeah, you see, that's such a tough one, too. I mean, you see, that's the whole thing about that game, is that it's like, I think it would it would vary on the day. There could be, those, even the Pokemon were, like, affected by, like, emotional situations where Charizard might feel guilty about hurting Blastoise and not want to win that day. I mean... They were more than just, you know, being thrown into an arena. So that that's a tough call. I think you'd have to flip a coin, and each time it would be a different answer. I remember a time when Charizard was a douche. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. After he, after Charmander evolved Charmeleon, and, and he basically tried to fry Ash, and then he evolved Charizard at the fossil thing, and he just he, he's one of the reasons that Ash lost at the Pokemon League because he wouldn't fight. See? That 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 was that, I thought that was. That was well, then, wrong. Then you can be a Blastoise fan. I like Blast because Blastoise is the heck, and I just I love. I think he likes Blastoise too much. I mean, I like Blastoise, but come on! <laughs> Been listening to too much Gaffigan. Okay, so so we then we go on. Not only were you a voice actor on Pokemon, you directed on Pokemon. Uh, yeah, I directed some of the some of the episodes. I also directed one of the movies. Um, Says so here, you directed like several of the movies. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I you know I was I was also before I worked for Four Kids as a as a staff director. I was doing a lot of times with Pokemon. I was the the production company would basically let me just direct myself as well as some of the uh, some of the other actors. And then when Four Kids hired me, I continued to do some of those episodes as well as then many many other shows, as you know. Um, I mean, as ADR directing goes, I definitely have worked on uh, a tremendous amount of, of shows and series, and uh, you know, Pokemon was was definitely the first one that was that was my responsibility. But um, you know, I, I don't even know if you guys are familiar with. I worked on a show uh, called Viva Pinata. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, our, our little sister loves Viva Pinata. And what's what was great about that show for me as a director was that um, that was done as prelay. So I directed the voices first. <laughs> built the whole show like a radio uh, drama, and then we sent that to the animators to, to animate to, and then it came back to me, and then I finished it up with tweaks of ADR. So, you know, the comedy and the timing that I wanted in terms of jokes was based on how I positioned the dialogue, not having to work against the locked-in-stone picture that we have, or lip-flap that we have when we're uh, adapting. So that was, that was a lot of fun to be able to do something uh, almost from scratch. Do you think being a direct a voice actor kind of helped you with being a director? Uh, it definitely was helpful to be uh, knowledgeable about what goes on on either side of the glass. But I've got to say that I was, you know, because I was a performer before I was, you know, doing voices and, and directing, I understood, you know, that side of it. But I was really directing before I was voice acting. So it's, it's almost the other way around. Is that I I knew what how to what I what as a director what I was asking for from actors. So then to be on the other side of that, I knew when a director was speaking to me how to listen to them. And um, and that's something that I think is is the most important thing for anybody who's even thinking about getting into this business. It's it's not how many funny voices you could do, but how how much you listen and how much you you when someone tells you something and asks you to do something as a director, how you digest that and give it back to them. Because I, I, I'm working with someone right now, I'm, try, I'm doing a little coaching right now, and one of the things I always say to them is, when you make a choice, uh, you know, whatever choice you make in, in that first read that you do, remember what it was, so that when the director says, I love what you did, but can you just do it a little bit different like this, you at least can go, okay, I know what the starting point is. 
I know what I just did. Not I have no idea what I just did. Yeah, you're also um you're also not a not a stranger to accents. Now I because I know on Yu Gi Oh GX with Bastion Musari, you gave him a British accent. Yeah, we, we, uh, Bastion was fun because he basically had just this light little lilt, and I, and what was what was good about that was that it wasn't too much. It was just and it made him a little a little light in the loafers, and and I thought that that worked well, especially because his um, girlfriend was that Amazon woman. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I got Water Dragon in my deck right but now. But I gotta say, I was really disappointed when I was being Antonio Banderas in Kirby. Oh yes, Kirby, you were Meta Knight. I was Meta Knight. I was doing the voice of the Meta Knight. Oh, were you really? And then he comes out doing his own voice in Shrek, and I'm like, dude, I was being you, and now you're being me, being you. I know. Uh, I right? I thought it's you, it's like a paradox. Yeah, hey, I was those guys too. He was the paradox brothers on GX. <laughs> yes. And that I I actually just watched an episode about two nights ago, and man, that rhyming was giving me a headache. How yeah, I know, I know. Please, I, like I said, with shows like that, I have nothing to do with the writing. I just say what they told me to say. It just it was really ugh. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a bad gig. Well, dubbing is really tough, John, because you got to match the mouth to the words. It's really tough. I tried it once. Yep. It, yeah, and you know one of the things that we tried to do, I mean, at least in the shows <coughs> that I was working on, was we, we always tried to at least come as close as we could to the lip flap so that it wasn't distracting. I know that there's sort of the hardcore fans that sometimes believe it's not that important, which you know, okay, I respect that opinion, but. I know when I'm watching and the lips are moving and, and someone, you know, no one's talking or when I hear talking and there's no lips moving, that's distracting to me. I, I, it breaks down that wall and I feel like I'm now, oh, yeah, I'm watching a show rather than I'm listening to the characters. So, I, I don't care if the mouth... Because you've been there and you've done that. I mean, I don't care if the mouth doesn't match up. I watch the show because it's a good show. And, and, and here's something that just got me. On Kirby, you also did Blade Night, and I just... I don't get the, what... Well, you mean the whole... I, sorry, 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 yes! They decided that the two of them should not be understood. And it just... It was funnier to me that they were kind of like... Uh, it's almost like when someone has a very, very thick Scottish accent. Uh, you have no idea what they're saying unless you are from Scotland. And I, I just thought that that kind of worked with them. And what was interesting was... I, I still think if you watch that those episodes, we tried to at least place the, the, the meaning behind the gibberish. So if someone asked him a question, he could still go, and, and you'd go like, oh, well, okay, I understood what, he, I understood what he's trying to say based on uh, he, the inflection. So it might be nonsense, but it wasn't just gibberish. Yeah, 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 yeah that makes plenty of sense. And then you also worked on a show combined my two favorite things, anime and wrestling, Ultimate Muscle. And you were Dick Dick Van Dick. Yeah, Dick Dick Van Dick. I've got to say that uh, not only was Dick Dick Van Dick one of my ideas for a name, but I thought there'd be a great uh, mix between Charlton Heston and Adam West. I, I thought, like, the, the character having the most, I mean, uh, just the worst name you probably could name your child is Dick Dick Van Dick. So let's make him sort of full of himself. Right? Uh, with this kind of masculine voice. That show, uh, you know, was so much fun to work on. It, it, the, the characters were hilarious. Um, some of, the, some of the, the later episodes where they introduced, like, Monsieur Cheeks and uh, the guy with the toilet bowl as, a, as like, a head. Yeah. I mean, I really think that the Japanese were testing us. They were kind of saying, let's see if you air this one. <laughs> you know, those shows were... Those shows were pretty racy. I mean, Kid Muscle's big fighting technique, as you know, was peeing in his pants. Yeah, that, if not the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just even we worked on all kinds of crazy things. And, yep. just, and of course, while you're working on Pokemon, you're also working on this next worldwide sensation, Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, what two two hundred episodes and and all these. Now, here's a question. Now, you work as a director. Right. Now. Was there a thing where you couldn't release certain episodes until certain packs from the card game came out? Well, I don't know so much about that as being the uh, deciding factor of certain episodes. Uh, you know, it, we weren't. I don't know how much in sync we were with that until we started making cards for other shows, and that was kind of like a, a game plan. Um, I will tell you though that the, obviously, since you've seen uh, uncut things and you've seen original um, uh, Japanese versions of these shows you see that there were things that we cut out of these shows, uh, and not so much by choice. I mean, the unfortunate thing about uh, 
the, the broadcast standards here is that, you know, some things get through and you go, why is that allowed and this is not allowed? Um, and, and sometimes it really, it, it really uh, destroys the storyline when we have to make some of these edits and take pieces of stories out or, or full episodes altogether we have to remove because they might have things that are offensive to an American audience that n- might not necessarily offend a Japanese audience. Or induce seizures. <laughs> well, yeah, that, well, that would be Pokemon. Uh, yeah, you got to love the FCC. Yeah, like that one episode of Pokemon where they removed that part where James had breasts. So I thought... Yeah, uh-huh. That's exactly right. This is something like that, or I, I think there was an episode of, um, which I think it might have been Ultimate Muscle, where there was a battle scene where there were basically characters up on crosses. Ooh, yeah, oh, it's a, yeah. that's a big religious no-no. Yeah, and, and you say, well, home. you know, come on now, we can't. That, that, that's inappropriate for, for television on on many levels. But, yeah. um, you know, that was that's an extreme. But then, you know, things with cigarettes, obviously, in the mouth and stuff like that. And, and you know, things that are allowed in one culture that are not allowed in another. Didn't on one piece they replace Sanji's uh, cigarette yep. with a lollipop? Yep. All of a sudden, he was like Telly Savalas. He was like Kojak. He had a he had a lollipop in his mouth. I like I like him. He, he, he was like Italian mafia member. Hey, Luffy, gonna make you a side dish you can't refuse. Yeah, and 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 you know, I, I mean, I, I I love David. He's great. But when I I heard that accent, you know, I'm originally from Brooklyn, so I was like, dude, if you're gonna talk like you're from Brooklyn, you really got to do it with the right kind of accent. I don't understand what you're doing with that crazy thing. It sounds like he's got two fingers up his nose too. Brooklyn, Brooklyn rage. <laughs> if, if you had by chance seen the abridged series, uh, uh, that is that wing. I've seen, I've seen pictures. I've, I've seen pieces of that stuff, and and uh, it's actually kind of funny because there's a couple of guys that I worked with that were constantly saying, "Hey, you got to look at the next episode of this stuff." I'm like, um, "You you work here? Like, what are you doing? Like, downloading that stuff online?" But anyway, they, uh, it's, it's funny stuff. They actually released a parody of Lady Gaga's poker face. They call it Brooklyn Rage. Very good. It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's we'll hilarious. Check it out. Uh, you will. Okay, let's move on right now to your to your music career. We have your CD right now, Eric Stewart Band, Empty Frame of Reference. Now, before anime, before all this anime hoo-ha, before the, bra, before the Kai, before all that, you got to tour with Ringo Starr and Bruce Springsteen. How, well, no, no, I didn't tour with Bruce. I, 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 never, I never toured with Bruce. I toured with Ringo. But uh, I've, I've, I've met Bruce, but I've never toured with him. Well, well, well how, did, how did you meet Ringo, or how did Ringo discover you? Uh, the, the, the story goes, we were, um, I was working with a management company at that time that had some affiliation through, uh, you know, maybe two degrees uh, with Ringo's camp. And Ringo was about to go out on tour and needed an acoustic opening act. And my management company, without telling me what they needed it for, said, uh, Eric, can you just record a couple of songs, just you and the guitar, because we have something we want to submit to, for a tour. Uh, we don't want to tell you what it is because it's such a long shot, but it would be helpful if you did something like that, because at the time I had a full band, and I, I didn't have any sort of down-and-dirty acoustic uh, you know, performances. And so I said, sure. So I actually went, I had a little recording set up in my walk-in closet in my house. So if you can imagine, it's me surrounded by all my coats and stuff hanging around, and I'm, and I'm like with a little digital recorder. I'm in there, and I'm recording like four or five songs, and I send it to my managers, and about two weeks later, they call me and say, hey, uh, we're booking you a flight to Seattle. Now, I'm in New York at the time. Um, you're going you're gonna to um, open for Ringo Starr and the All-Star Band. Ringo uh, listened to your tape and picked you to open his tour. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds kind of cool. And what was great was I basically didn't have time to even digest it. It was, it was, you know, pack your bags, grab your guitar, and go. And I did 26 dates um, playing big venues, all original music, and it was me, and then it was the All-Stars. And the All-Stars were Peter Frampton, Jack Bruce from Cream, uh, Ringo, Simon Kirk from Bad Company, uh, Gary Brooker from Procol Harum. It was like a, it was like listening to classic rock radio live because they all played each other's songs. And so, um, you know, from that, it, you know, it was, it was like that was that was the true test of if I can do this on this level, uh, opening for these people, then I think I can do this. I mean, your Wikipedia says you've toured with Peter Frampton, Ringo Starr, Leonard Skinner. You've opened for Jethro Tull, John Julian Cope, Holland Oates, and yep. Chicago three times. Yeah, it, it, you know, I think Chicago was my first real big opening break. I uh, um, I got a chance to open for them at PNC Bank Arts Center, which I don't even know if it's called that anymore in Jersey, and then at Jones Beach. 
And that was, you know, that was through a management company. That was, you know, once again, like, you know, does anybody have somebody that can do this, that can play in front of 20,000 people and, and, you know, tomorrow? And it's, it's those kinds of things, too. It's like I had a couple of friends who were also singer-songwriters who would say to me, man, how could you do that? How could you get in front of all these people alone? And I said, you know what? If, if you don't think you can do that, you shouldn't be in this business because the chances are that could come along. And, and you have to assume that maybe if you get lucky, you get that opportunity. So you need to be able to, to do it. Can you walk the walk? And um, it was great. I, I actually find it harder to play in front of a smaller audience than to play in front of a huge audience. So. Did you ever perform Saturday in the park? <laughs> <laughs> they played that. They did. I got to say, playing with Skinner was fun because um, uh, Skinner's crowd was was tough, and it was it was um, and bring you back to the Bruce Springsteen thing. Um, I had just gotten off of tour uh, tour with Skinner, and that was a tough. That was me having to really figure out what songs these people were going to let me play without throwing bricks at me. Oh, I can because, imagine. You know, they didn't know my music, and you know, they wanted to hear Skinner, but it was it was great, and I think I won them over, and it was it was a great experience, and and I was at a benefit, and and I got a chance to talk to Bruce, and he had said to me, I heard that you opened for Leonard Skinner's solo. And then he said, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and I thought, that's pretty cool. Because, yeah, you have to be out of your mind. I mean, either if you don't win those guys over, you know. Um, I mean, we had, we had one concert in, in Kansas where at the back of the, uh, uh, you know, fairgrounds, people were throwing uh, fire. Uh, they were throwing pizza boxes like Frisbees that were on fire just for fun. Wow. Yeah. It, it Freebird. Yeah, exa- oh, yeah. And they played Freebird every night. And, you know, I didn't grow up listening to those guys as much as a lot of people did. But after watching them play every night, I became a, I became a huge fan. It's, it's good stuff, it isn't it? music. It was a great show. I mean, you know, that was that was something special. Okay, before we go, we have a couple questions from our listeners. Yeah. OMG. Our first quest, two questions come from James Morgan. And, of course, ironically, his Facebook page picture is James. So he, I think he really likes James. And the fact that his name is James Morgan, that's... Kind of convenient. Convenient. It's good that his name isn't like James Harrison, because then he'd have to like James and Brock. I just, you never figure out what his last, what our last names were. That that's what got me. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, question one: What was it like playing John Crawley in that crappy anime based on the legendary fighting game Art of Fighting, one of the two SNK franchises, the other one being Fatal Fury, that paved the way for the King of Fighters franchise? Oh, I remember that. Ser- I remember working on that project. I think that was a lot of screaming. A lot of yelling. You know, some some of those some of those shows that I worked on, you know, it, it's one thing if there's some clever, you know, quip when you're yelling and screaming at someone. I mean, even Kaiba in his in his yelling and screaming says something clever. But uh, the art of fighting that was a lot of just fighting and yelling and screaming. If I can remember anything about working on that series, I think it was my, the, my throat being uh, bleeding. Ooh, actually, um, we actually got, I actually got to talk to Kyle Abert from uh, he he works over at Funimation, and he told me once that there were points when they were recording Dragon Ball Z that the yelling they they yelled for like two three minutes at a time. Yeah. It got so bad he actually passed out once. I believe it. I totally believe it. I mean, most of us stand up while we're. Uh while we're dubbing, I, I find it's easier to breathe that way anyway. But you know, you're you're using a lot of air like that. It's easy to fall over, especially some of these screams where they're like, "Could you fall off of this cliff for 45 seconds?" As one long, you know, yeah, and you do that, and then you just you, you're you're out. You're you know, you're done, son. Our next question from James is: Did you ever play anybody on the anime Sonic X? Yes, I did. I'm trying to remember that. Man, that's a that's a. That's a tough question. Quick, let's go to IMDb. Say, isn't that? Don't we have an IMDb? Uh, yeah. Let's see. I don't see. Any, I don't see anything here right now on, under under Wikipedia. Let me. We'll we'll come back to that one in just a few minutes. We'll look, we'll look at TV.com. His uh, third question is: What do you think of Pink Floyd? What do I think of Pink Floyd? The band? Yeah. Uh, I think Pink Floyd is is they're, they're geniuses. I think I think uh, you know that that band was uh, were, they were pioneers and and. Even early stuff. I mean, I even like some of the uh, the Sid Barrett stuff is kind of cool too. So, um, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think Pink Floyd is is one of the greatest bands, and Dark Side of the Moon deserves to be one of the uh, the, uh, the the most widely sold albums of all time. Okay, our uh, next question is from Emily. If you couldn't be a voice actor, what would you want to be? Uh, honestly, I think if I could be anything that had uh, outside of the entertainment industry. 
I think I would love to be a professional football player. Football player, yeah. I love football. I, I'm I'm a huge Jets fan. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big football guy. I, um, you know, I could watch any team play any day. Um, and I'm you know I'm I'm five ten and you know not that big a guy. So um, having the opportunity to do that would be a lot of fun. So are you calling for the Jets to beat the Bengals on Saturday? <laughs> I didn't say that. Well, I was just asking. Who are you picking? Oh, yeah. oh well, you see, I know where you guys are. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know where you guys are. Yeah, yeah, we have a general idea where you are. We well, no, no, we don't. I, I looked. I, I don't think you were on Sonic. Maybe you did an additional voice, or I don't. I, I might have played some small character on. I know I, I did some stuff on there. It probably just as we call it, just walla, you know. Okay. Um. Let's see. Uh, next one's from Scott. What is your favorite voice character character you've ever voiced, and why? Huh. Well. I think you know that, that I get asked that a lot, and and it, it it's it's a tough call because I think that even though I love playing Seto Kaiba because of his his attitude and it, it's fun to be, to be that uh, exactly it's fun to be that that mean. I think James is probably my favorite character because I, I personally um, I, I consider myself funnier than I am a jerk. Hopefully other people think that. Oh, 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 oh. I, I wouldn't question it. But, but I, I, I like the humor of James. I, and, and, you know, he just, it's a, it's a, it's a broader range of a character. He, he did everything from, there were some dramatic moments where he was very, you know, he, he has his friendship that he's very protective of between Jesse and, and Meowth. And, but also, you know, he got to do songs, goofy songs and, and silliness, and I, I think that that's, that's the broader role to play, so I would have to say James. Well, I played the Christmas song on my Christmas show, <laughs> you sounded like you were singing Rocket Man. Yeah, so you played you played the Pokemon Christmas Bash? Well, we have, well, we, we got, um, actually, James sent us a copy of the Christmas song, and we played it on on there, just to announce that you were going to be on the show. I see. We played that. I I just I heard uh, two perfect girls. Yeah, now two perfect girls. That's that's oh, that's that's a master. Oh, Jenny, oh Jenny. Yeah. Which, 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 I I I have a hard time picking either one too. Boy, Whew. And, and and also double trouble. Team Rockets rocking that. I now like. That's that. a good one. I gotta say that's a. Good that's one. a nice uh. That's one you can dance to there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and before, all right. Before we go, I gotta ask this one question. Yeah. What happened? Why? What, what, I, I, I turn on Pokemon one day. It's, it's not Baraka Taylor. It's not you. It's yeah. not. What happened? Where'd y'all go? Why'd you go away? Well, I, well, I think without getting into the, the the gory details of the of the whole situation, I think what they wanted to do, meaning Pokemon USA, was I think that they felt that they could save some money by not having um, four kids in the original cast. Uh, working on the show anymore. Of course, the fact that we were up to the last. Oh, you also forgot that I yeah, that I played Butch on Pokemon Two. No, he played. He pl- no, no, it wasn't. It, it was Bill. It was Bill. No, no, uh, Bo- Butch was. I know, I know. I, I'm trying to get a reaction. Yes. <laughs> oh right, the name is Butch, not Bill. I don't, <laughs> right, or Brett, right. Brett, Batch, Bob. Right, right, right. But but to, to answer your question, the 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 um, I think what happened was they decided even though there's only one more season to go. That uh, they wanted to save money, and I think the amount of money that they were they were they were going to save, if this makes any sense to you, I think it might have been something like oh I don't know maybe it was twenty thousand dollars to produce an episode. I think the difference that they were going to save was something like three thousand dollars. Wow! But but you know you watch it now. I mean the show, it's not bad. I'm not knocking new voice actors. I'm not knocking them into a new dimension. I, I'm not saying that. I grew up watching you and in, in Veronica and. And Maggie, and Maddie, and and oh, and I can't remember Missy's name. Who does Missy? Uh, 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 Rachel Lillard. Rachel, I, I grew up watching you guys. I didn't grow up watching these guys. No, I know, but you know, you, you, that's the that's the the nice thing is that we get a lot of fan mail. There was a huge movement of trying to get us back on, and I think a lot of the fans thought that you know that we had any pull in it and we had any say. Um, you know, it wasn't offered to us. Uh, it wasn't like, hey, come back and do this. It was basically like, you know, you're part of this other production team, even though, we, you know, yes, I worked for them, but we're all independent contractors when it comes to the voice acting. And I just think the whole thing was handled so poorly because I think that they thought, hey, the fans aren't going to care. And it seems like I still get I still get emails daily saying how much they missed 
the original voices of the show. I mean, look, you know what happened when you know Mel Blanc. Even though I'm not comparing me to, 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 to the, the greatness of, of Mel Blanc, but when when he stopped doing Bugs Bunny because he passed away, you're going. It just doesn't sound like Bugs. It's just not the same. Exactly. Um, and I got to say that you know I've heard pieces of of them doing some of these voices. You know, you don't sound like Brock, buddy, and 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 James. You don't sound like James. So pick another voice. Exactly. You know, if you're going to be someone different, if you're going to use another actor, just do a different voice. I just, I, I, I mean, I shed, a, I actually shed a tear when I saw that. I just shed a tear. He really but, did. You know what? Like I said, it was great. It was a great series to work on. I'm not bitter about not working on it anymore. I, you know, it was great for me. It was, it was a great thing to be part of. I feel like it's part of pop culture history. And you know, what's been nice for me is that the fans that originally found me through voice acting have ended up buying my albums and that helps me out as an independent you know musician and you know i feel like there's a great fan base because of the you know my voice work and hopefully people will still find it funny or dramatic and and for years to come i mean you know yeah people will blast pokemon as being like it's a money-making machine and but but there are people that actually you know enjoyed that show and if you actually watch the episodes you know, sometimes there's some really good messages in there, and you know whether you're into that or not. But you know, it's it's there are shows about friendship and stuff like that, and that's kind of cool in this crazy world to have something that's about you know people getting along. Exactly. I I think we need more of that in the world. Maybe you wouldn't have all this stuff like what and whatnot. Yeah, uh, Eric. One last question for yeah. you. Um, do you think that Pokemon will ever regain its popularity? Uh, I don't know if that's. If, if it's in the cards, and no pun intended, for, for, that, for that show to become a huge hit again, I think the formula is 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 always going to work. And and I've said this about shows that I've worked on. It's it, it's it's like you can almost sense it. I remember the first day I was I, I saw Yu-Gi-Oh when we started to work on it. I turned to the producer and I said, "This is going to be a hit because." It is for the kids that grew up with Pokemon and need to move on to a slightly more mature storyline. But the format is is just genius. You've got, you've, as you know, you've got you've got characters you can relate to. You can pick your favorites. You can pick the ones you hate. But you've also got you've got cards that are part of a game. You've got you've got you know building up your experience points and becoming better at something. It's like you know like anything going through school and getting your degree or whatever. It gives you a goal and. The shows that use that, I always thought Dinosaur King could have been a big hit, too, because it was the same format. But, you know, all things considered, when people don't either promote them or, or, or really get them out there to a wider audience, they're going to die. But I don't know if Pokemon has a second life to it. Um, you know, maybe if they came back and said, let's bring the original cast back for a ne the next movie, they might get a shot in the arm. Very well, well possible. Well, um, one final question from Ichiro. Uh, what are your feelings on Springsteen's Tunnel of Love album and... Do you think it's the best Springsteen album? Hmm, Tunnel of Love. Well, I know that Bruce was going through his divorce during that uh, the, the, the recordings of those of those that and Lucky Town, and um, there's some very very deep heart wrenching songs on there. Um, I wouldn't say that was his best album. I I kind of lean towards you know th it depends on what mood I'm in when I, what I want to listen to when it comes to Bruce. But I I've got to say like listening to like Nebraska. Um, you know some of those real sort of stripped down kind of songs where uh, you just you, you feel like you're sitting in a room with him. I kind of think that that's probably up there. And then there's the river. I mean the river is double album, but you know a double album full of you know 90% great songs. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Tunnel of Love was the best, but I love it. I have it. I've got pretty much everything he's ever recorded. So. All right. We, this has been Eric Stewart. Empty Frame of Reference is available right now. Go to ericstewart.com for tour dates, contact information. Go to the store. Buy 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 one CD. Buy five. Buy all his CDs. They're all on iTunes. They're all on iTunes. Download them on iTunes. Buy me a copy. Buy, I will not buy you a copy. Nah. Eric Stewart, thank you so much for guys, being on the show. Thank you. And, and, you know, I appreciate, you know, doing the interview with you guys. And, uh, and uh, anytime. anytime. Now, i got one more thing for Seto Kaiba. So if you could just get I'll Kaiba for one more sec. Yeah. All right, Kaiba, you don't want to accept my challenge? Fine. One day you will accept it. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.